0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay. Sissoko finally waited. Erickson low, great ball into the middle. What a and save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas and Moura, and Moura. And belted into the rear, goal. The On debut, Tongue Ondombele yes. has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura two, clips two, it. it. Oh, great goal! Steven Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Aurier! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! First hand to Sol, Kane. Good area for Spurs and Cakes, not afraid to shoot. Wow, what a goal, Hurricane. That is exceptional. Lamella, will try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot and with good reason. Terry in the Burnley Pad Line Son breaks forward. Oh, wow, what a run. Yun Min Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career.
1: Yo, people! What is good? Welcome back to another episode of the New Spurs Order. Um, I'm on hosting duties this week, so if you don't recognize my voice, it's Tobes, aka Tapping Tobes, aka NSO Goldberg. I'm here with two, 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 two um contrasting men in terms of in terms of their attitude towards Spurs. In fact, you know what? I think you guys are on the same boat now because it used to be it just used to be Jack. He was like a bit of a, a lone island in his <laughs> initially negative but real reviews on Spurs and now Tops Tops. Um, I guess I've introduced you both uh, Tops, the, your disgust with Spurs just seeps through by the week and just increases and increases and increases, how are you guys doing man?
2: Yeah, yeah um, do you know what, when you choose to ignore Spurs, life is actually great you know, life, is, <laughs> life is actually alright um, so Football aside,
1: yeah, fine, brilliant. I mean, yeah, man, I'm, a lot has happened since you've been on the last pod. You've got you're, you're a married man now. You've you've had your nice holiday. I mean, you've had a lot of things to distract you away from the 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 sinking ship that is Tottenham Hotspur. But unfortunately, um, the likes of myself and Tops have had to watch this this shit in in HD, man. Um, yeah man, it's it's not been pretty. <laughs> and tops, I think how many games now since we've been to the new ground, since we've been to, to 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 the um Spurs ground? It's Milan, right? When was that? March? Uh
3: that was March, yeah, middle of uh what, yeah. middle early March. March. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it was really early, early March. So yeah, man, it's coming up to two months since since Furtherman have set foot into that stadium, and bruh. I mean where do we start, man? Where do we start? Stellini out, Mason in. Obviously, it's been a hectic couple of days for Mason within his first sort of week in the in his second stint as the interim manager. Obviously, he's had to contend with playing both Man United, who are uh, fourth in the league, and then Liverpool, who are fifth in the league, home and away, respectively. Um, not the easiest sort of entrance to his second stint in the job. Obviously, we know how the Man United result panned out. But uh, I guess let's let's actually, let's talk about thoughts like heading into the game. Like, I know obviously the game's a couple of days behind us, but what was the general perception heading into this match? Did you guys have any belief, optimism, um, any sort of, were you looking for anything different from Spurs, from Mason? I, I want to hear the gist, man. Talk to me.
2: I I think on the chat I did say we'll turn up. It was one of those games where I thought would stupidly turn up for no reason other than to just get I don't know. I just thought I just had a little gut feeling that we'd actually just perform to some degree and that you know it will probably be for the worse for us because at the end of the day we tend to perform when we don't need to and when the pressure's on. That's when, that's when we took a buckle, and us actually turning up is not good for us because at the end of the day, it will, it will allow guys like Ryan Mason to, you know, be be a manager that people might be encouraged to see next season. So, I had a feeling we we're going to always do the wrong thing, which is, you know, losing. But then winning or drawing at least or putting up a good performance again for me isn't what I want to see because. We're gonna have this guy's manager next season.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, listen, you—I guess if your views for me, your views are shared by me. I'm sure they're shared by Tops. I mean, Tops. Just before we talk on the game itself, let's let's focus a bit on Mason. Um, he showed us some good things. I can't lie. He showed us some good things against um, against Man United, but I feel like when the bar was so low, doing the bare basics. Will almost get you in the graces of a, a lot of Spurs fans. Now, um, by the bare basics, I mean simply coaching this team to be able to attack. I think he's getting a lot applauded and rightly so for Spurs being able to create chances, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it begs the question: Should it be difficult for for a squad with the talent that we have up top to create chances?
3: No, like I mean, to answer your question, frankly, absolutely not. I mean, what we're, we're talking a, a team that is really full of uh, fully, lots of fully-fledged internationals, guys that have played at this level for a long time. And to be honest with you, if we're being real, lots of these guys, you know, you can probably say it's a mixture of players' downing tools or systems or tactical setups, basically not allowing us to play in the way that we want to. Um, I do think that, like, I have nothing against the guy. Uh, I actually feel like when you listen to him, I think he speaks very well. Um, he clearly has, you know, he's done everything by the book. He's basically been at some level of coach in the academy, and now amongst the last sort of uh, three managers in Jose, in uh, Conte and Stellini. So, you know, he's put in some some yards, and he clearly has a rapport with the players because for the last two managers that have been sacked, well, uh, you know, he's been given the opportunity to kind of just lead the team. In um, their absence, I do still feel that uh, this isn't kind of someone that I think is is kind of big enough to galvanise us as a, as a, as a as a club. I I, I kind of feel like um, where he is in, in his manager career, managerial career, he probably needs to take on a smaller job um, and maybe in the championship and see where that lands. You know, to get some proper minutes under his under his belt. But I think for now. Um, i can't fault him like i feel that he cares um you can see him on the sidelines um he has set us up in a way that is allowing us to create more chances we're actually seeing a bit of a better output in terms of uh, positions um and chances positions taken up and chances created by people like Sun, people like perisic um you know yeah. even on uh, the midweek game against man united kane was almost given a role where he kind of allowed the game, really took the game by the scruff of the neck and we allowed yeah. ourselves to push ourselves or almost to, to drag ourselves out of that 2-0 sort of deficit to a point where we could almost have won the game. Um, yeah. You know, I am still a little bit sceptical on, uh, but honestly, like, clout. I think, like, in pro football at this level, it, it does carry some weight. And I also yeah. kind of feel that, like, a little bit thing that I've been, I just a little bit, not worried, but I've been like, hmm, are some of the substitutions he's made, but guess, you that that you know that that comes with uh, long term management experience. But for now, yeah, he's doing he's doing um, as best as he can do. But then, uh, bro, how is he going to do any worse than the man before him? Like, like I mean, he's taken mm-hmm. us from a minus five to zero or to one. Like that's literally where we're at, and that's not even an exaggeration.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, when when you get stunked, like five or six-one, lose to Bournemouth, um, drop points against Southampton and Everton. I mean, the only way really is up. Like the only way really is up. But however, you're right. I think considering the circumstances in which he's walked into, I think he deserves some credit for um being able to at least get Spurs doing some of the basics that you expect. Of our other side with the players that we have in our squad. So I I literally echo your thoughts. I echo your thoughts on the concerns around the sentimentality and clout with him in this job and the temptation to sort of keep him in this job. I echo your thoughts on the inexperience with the subs, which we'll touch on as we as we deep dive into the game. But um yeah, I also echo your thoughts on him as a person. Like I, I must admit, I've been I've been Abusive at times when I when when the when the the topic of Mason comes up because I feel like it's not so much a hate towards him it's more it's more a, a hate towards the fans that are propelling him into a pedestal that he literally isn't on or hasn't earned and it really irks me because in my head I'm thinking why are you speaking about him like this like what has he done for you to speak about him like this sort of him being one of our own it just doesn't really make any sense and like Top said, you gotta earn your chops. Don't care how talented you are as a person, um, don't care how highly well thought of you are within the within the ranks. He speaks well. I like his mentality. I like the fact that he's got the confidence to to take this job even on an interim basis and even like put himself in, 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 in contention to to actually want the job full time. But you've got to you've got to earn your Earn, earn the job. Do you get what I'm saying? You have to earn the job. You can't just be given it. This ain't work experience, right? Spurs are actually a mess and it needs a manager with, with, a, with a good level of experience to come in and steady the ship. But we'll, we'll talk on the manager towards the end of this pod, but let's actually get back into the game. Obviously, um, we played Liverpool, ended in a 3-3 free, free draw or fourth. Four three loss. Sorry, it should have ended in a three three draw, and we'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk about why it didn't. Um, I don't know, guys. Jack, I guess I'm going to come to you on this. Um, I don't really want to spend too much time talking on the starting lineup because I feel like the starting lineup is what it is right now. To be fair, but <laughs> what <laughs> what is your take on that first half, man? Because boy. Please break it down to me. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. The first,
2: Do you know what? Minutes. <laughs> I missed the first three goals, didn't it? <laughs> I ended up when I came in. We won. We won that game three-one, basically. But yeah, it, I think uh, looking at the goals, every you got Romero who who was on the end of one or two of the challenges, the penalty especially, But you got people like Dyer that set him up and and set and provide that danger around him anyway in the first instance so it's a collective thing ultimately but you've got it's absolutely tragic it's just it's just completely and utterly tragic but it's not anything we haven't seen before you know it's not exclusive to this game what we've seen the mistakes the individual areas it's it's something that's been happening not just all season long for the past several seasons now and I just feel like that disease has spread to our newer players like Romero, and I don't know what he's doing as well, diving in the way he did, but it was it's just completely shambolic, but it's also very reactive as well with how we've managed games. And again, you know, you can give Ryan Mason all the credit, you know, in the past two games for the way we come out in the second half, but the first half of the season, we were known for that. We were known for being that second half team anyway under Conte. So what's, what's really changed? What's really changed?
1: I think with 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 the with um with the whole defensive shambles that we are, I saw a start on match of the today. Um, obviously the the, the Newcastle result inflates this, but it's no surprise that I think Spurs have now conceded the most goals in the opening minutes of um uh, uh, the opening minutes of games based on based on this season. Um, we are now, I think we're on fifty-seven goals conceded in thirty-four games. So, I actually did the research on a stream I did recently, and it's that's a rate of like what 1.68 goals per game that we're conceding. So, at the rate we'll get at the rate we're going at, Spurs are on course to concede just under 64 Premier League goals this season. And I also did some further research. The most amount of goals we've conceded in a Premier League campaign is 66 in the 1992 1993 season. I think outside of that, We've only conceded 60 plus goals two other times in the Premier League. So this is, I feel like it's fair to say that in modern times, I mean, in the last probably 15 to 20 years, this is statistically the worst defensive performance we've seen from a Spurs side, which actually beggars belief when you consider the type of manager we had at the helm, i.e. Conte, who, who prides himself on his teams being defensively, defensively resolute um and then when it, it, it's 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 pretty mad man it's pretty mad tops i'm going to come to you on this right mm-hmm. um let's actually break down some of the goals the first goal we conceded for instance i guess to the naked eye it's good football from liverpool they started off well um well oops, sorry, broke us someone's my kitchen my sister um yeah but either way they started started the game um really, really fast um, got in our faces but I felt like with Spurs there's just a lack of urgency when the opposition's on the ball and it's something that I've noticed in pretty much 90% of our matches this season. Whenever teams have the ball there's no urgency from us to get it back and when we have the ball it's so easy for teams to pen us in.
3: Facts. Um, I think that's a big I think that has become a big issue for us. Like Yao mentioned we me and Yao we had a discussion a couple of weeks ago and he mentioned it to me, the fact that sometimes we even with regards to the press, I think it, it I almost like to believe that it starts from from the front. And if you look at the way that we set up with regards to Kane and Son, there's lots of moments where actually these guys that's not really in their in their it's not really in their quota, it's not really in their game plan anymore. And to be honest with you, when you're going away to Liverpool as well, you know that initially off the start. You know, no matter what they do, they're gonna start strong. They're going to start strong because they're going to try and get an early goal here or there. And you have to kind of be kind of be prepared for that, whether or not you match them with fire with fire, or you have to be at least defensively sort of resolute to be able to withstand that. And sadly, in the last three games, we just haven't been. And I don't know whether it's the way we're approaching these games, before the games, I don't know if it's when we're actually in the games, how we set up or whether it's just a, like a genuine lack of just concentration in the most important part of the game, which is the start of the match. Because you look at the game against Newcastle, we got absolutely blammed. Like Players couldn't even react and we were, we were still getting blamed. When you look at the um, game against uh, Man United, we didn't particularly, we didn't play particularly badly in those early sort of moments of the game, but the first opportunity that basically United were given in those areas, they were able to then create a a shooting opportunity with no press and they were able to score. And then again, similarly against Liverpool, you're not looking, okay, first few minutes into the game, stick in your positions, stay with your men. And that ball to Jones, I mean, it's a decent ball, but I just don't think that like our defender, Poro, concentrated yeah. enough to be able to realise that he was being pulled across with Romero and the fact that there was a guy at the back post that was ready to basically... You know, it was a good finish and it was, it was a well-created goal. But again, a lot of these goals, I, I, I look at them from a defensive perspective and I just see avoidable. And it's just frustrating because like you said, with this defensive stuff, I'm looking at players that are, are either set up in a way where they can't perform their defensive duties adequately or there are players who really are just very poor defenders. And I, and I and I don't think I don't think they're poor defenders. I just think some of them are they just don't concentrate. They just don't concentrate. Like I look at Poro, and we knew some of the numbers. We knew that what we were getting from him from him was an attacking fullback. Yeah. But I just look at a player now who's probably void of some sort of confidence but you know teams are clearly now targeting that right side. They're looking at that right side and they're thinking, how can we create maybe an overload or an area where he has to do some defensive action? And that first goal, it's avoidable. It's avoidable. I even think, arguably, the second goal is avoidable because I feel that even though it was a really good finish from Diaz, the way he was able to kind of almost like draw it back towards the goal as it was coming behind him, I still think, Romero, as the kind of player he is, he's got, me he's got to meet that. He's got to meet that.
1: Yeah.
3: you yeah. know. So those those two like defensive actions and then obviously the third, you're looking at a player who is a good player but is playing poorly. I mean, really poorly. And you know that you as a player are going to go to ground in areas where you feel that you can win the ball. But then you look at the timing of the tackle and the area that he was in, it just doesn't read well. You know, so when yeah. you when you tell me those stats, it doesn't surprise me. You know, we're, we're talking about a potential for 65 plus goals in a 30, 38 game season. That is it's unimaginable. Nuts. Like, I, I can't tell, not, I tell you how bad that is. It's it's not, unimaginable. Didn't
1: that. We didn't even concede, um, I don't think we conceded that even under the, the season with AVB and, and Sherwood. Um yeah, it's it's, we, bad. it's we, real
3: bad. We cannot stop the rock defensively. Everybody is getting goals against us, Bournemouth, United, Saints. Everyone's getting goals against us. We cannot stop the rock. And I think that is something that like we'll talk about it later in terms of the squad, but that's something that deeply needs looking at, man.
2: Can I can I just say something like that? Conte's fault.
1: <laughs> I do you you know what Jack though I do think it's a mix man it's a combination of Conte not coaching this team well enough this season I truly believe that simply because I feel like he failed to change he failed to change or adapt to the, to the personnel that he had this season um and I also feel like we've got some really bad defenders I do believe that and I also think that we just don't really have a clue what we're doing on the football pitch and I also think there are some players that are woefully out of form, like yeah. like Top just said. It's it's a it's a culmination of so many things that has led us led us to this to this point where, where we're in now, where we actually need change at a coaching level, at a playing level. Um, just we just need change, man. We need change. But, but, and I think I I that.
2: we've needed yeah, that for on. a long time, though. So regardless of, I agree. I think Conte's lack of proactive approach hasn't helped the players now. So the players aren't used to playing, playing on some level of a front foot. And they have to be reactive. And they've always had to be reactive since um, the season, but that hasn't helped either way. But like you said, or like you were about to say, before I interrupt, um, it's it's everything. Everything would need to change before him. So I feel like any manager that came or, or will come needs to be given the right resources and the right platform to implement his style of play successfully, and when, we just haven't given given anyone that. Even Jose, who we berated. So, I think we're just gonna have to wait for wait for a very big long term change to to come because it's not gonna come in the next season or two.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's a fair point, and even just zeroing in on on some of the goals as well, right? Um, we can talk about personnel change and of course, absolutely. But one of the guys who I feel has to go, has to go, no matter what, is, is Eric Dier, man. For the second and third goals, obviously Romero will cut the flack and rightly so, because he's meant to be our best defender. And in these moments, I feel like he can do, he he can and should he has to do better. And he's he's got he's been criticized all season by by the fan base, and rightly so. But I really think that Eric Dyer hides behind Romero, Romero's faults in in both these goals. The second goal, it, um, Gakpo gets in behind Dyer. It's Dyer that vacates his position, lets Gakpo run in behind him, squares who squares it to Diaz for a really good finish. I must say, really good finish from Diaz. But the third one flies out of his position like a ball in a China shop and just completely clatters into Mo Salah, leaving um, Romero and Gakpo, just there, empty space. Obviously, Romero with Russian blood goes down and shouldn't really go down and we can see the third. And it's just, it's just poor, man. It's just really, really poor. And we're never going to prosper when we have guys who are taking these decisions on the football pitch. It just doesn't make sense.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely right. Like, you know, I, I, I think I've said on this pod enough what my feelings are on him. Like, watching him on the weekend, he looked punch drunk. He just looked like, on the ball, didn't look confident. Uh, off the ball, positionally, defensive actions, recoveries. He just looked all over the place. And it's just like, we're now seeing more and more performances from this guy, where he's actively giving up positions that are detrimental to the team from a defensive perspective. And it's just like, I was thinking about it today, and now I was looking at the squad, and I was actually thinking, man, we actually need two centre-backs. And when I say two centre-backs, the reason I say so is because I don't even think at this point he's worth even giving a new contract. But I think that we need to now, maybe based on what Romero is as as a player, if we play in a three, we actually might have to employ Romero as a central centre-back now. There's no way I can see that we can start any kind of defence with two other guys who we need alongside Romero when he is the guy the guy that has been in the, he's been playing in the Premier League and has been playing probably at the highest level of, of our defence. And I actually feel that like his game suits the position that Dyer sort of plays because even though yes, he is very rash and whatnot, he does does somewhat know gauge position quite well. And when he needs to make that final sort of last ditch tackle, if he needs to make it, or he needs to make that front press, he makes it well.
1: Plus, he's an excellent but, he's an excellent but, ball player. But you know what it is, though with Romero though, I think if, if you if, if you're playing a back three and you're the center centre back, you're the one who sort of sets the tone, you lead, you you basically sh- direct the back line and I, I just don't really see those qualities in Romero. I feel like he's someone who needs to be told what to do. He's really good at what he does, but he's someone who needs to be told what to do. Do you get what I'm saying? And I, no, no, I don't I, think I, I
3: absolutely I absolutely hear it. It's just that you know like uh, I even thought about this guy as a as a squad member, but I think it's time. I actually think it's time now. It's yes it's, about. it's time. I, I don't really want to Go on about it too too long with him because I'm just seeing performances after performances where he's letting his teammates down and even his own actions they're just not at a level that we that we require at this point anymore. They're just not at a level. They're not at a level. Like it's
2: a, it's about partnerships at the end of the day. Centre backs and you can have two good defenders performing an amazing partnership and you can have one top defender and one. Decent enough defender that can still perform just as equally a good partnership. think, yeah. And I'd say I'm more inclined to agree with Toby in the sense that Romero is not a leading presence. Romero is not a commanding player who has that, has to have those leadership qualities to to sort of assist um, his fellow centre-back. He's the one that is the aggressor and the one that, the one that, like I've like said, needs to be told what to do. And he needs to be told a lot of the time to just, you know, slow it down, calm down a little bit. But, you know, I think what VVD, when he came in, him and Matic, um, whoever, um, whoever he played alongside, you know, the part, it changed the complete dynamic of the team when um Klopp started winning trophies. So, yeah, I think having Romero, I don't know what to do with Romero in, in a sense that, I'm not comfortable with him in a back two. I'm not comfortable with that idea at all. But also, in a back three with him on Poro's side, I think that's still a bit concerning as well. Someone's got a really cover. That defensive midfield position has to really do a job covering that side as well. So it's a tricky one because we do need two centre-backs. Ideally, we need three. Um, but that's not going to happen. So goodness knows what's going to happen next season
1: and when the season's after? I think he can play in a four, but I think he just, yeah, I, I really think he can, but I, I get why you have the concerns, because just because of the performances he's put in this season. But um, I think moving on from the goals we conceded and uh, our defence, let's actually talk about some of the positives that we, we we had in this game, right? Because in the end of the day, we did score three goals from 3-0 down to to come back. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to think the first goal was a nice little bit of play, man. Nice little With, bit of play involving it, it really yeah, involving to Touchwood. The last two games, I think he's actually been bright. I think he's been diligent in his defensive duties. And whilst his crossing was a bit hit and miss against Man United, his overall game wasn't bad. Um, and I felt like Liverpool, I think he did. I think he did okay on that left-hand side Um what did you guys make of the first goal and even the second goal as well?
3: Yeah, no, I I, I thought the first goal was was actually really well... It was a really well-made goal in terms of uh, we, we were quite... Even though, you know, it was 3-0 and you, you would think that these guys' heads would be on Pluto, but actually they kind of played from the back quite calmly, patiently, a really nice interchange in the middle, which then was able to... Which, 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 which finally came to Skip, who... Played a really sort of really good timed pass um, into uh, Perisic, who honestly, uh, you know, that quick dribbling action <laughs> and actually decision pass to uh, to send Talk
1: about Van, how he mangled Ma- Van Dyke's legs. To send Van
3: Dyke into he, the he, turns,
1: he turned, he turned Van Dyke into, into superhead,
3: but then you know, <laughs> so, to also do that and to deliver a <laughs> accurate assist to you know Kane in the middle, I think it was, a re- it was a really, it was a really good goal. Um, and honestly, if I'm thinking about the way the first half went after I watched most of it back, it was the only real positive in the game uh, for the first half for us, really. So that kind of gave me some sort of positive uh, feeling. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect coming in the second half, but um, what did happen in the second half, I was somewhat impressed with. Uh, I liked a lot of the positions that we were taking up, especially in the first half, I found that Trent was moving almost like an inverted fullback, the way these fullbacks do these days, um, and he really had lots of free reign in that first sort of half. But the second half, the areas that we were taking up, especially on his area on his side, were just forcing him to basically go back and be a defender. And actually, yeah. from a from a like Tottenham perspective, we really did stretch them. Uh, we we were we were getting into positions that was uh, forcing Carnate to really be on his game we were getting positions that were pulling that was pulling Van Dyke out of position and actually I felt that we were slowly coming into the game you know we hit the, we hit the post twice were a really good effort from Sun uh, who was really unfortunate with that and then also another really tight sort of effort from um, Romero um, so as the second half was developing even though it was kind of still lateish in the half, before we scored our second goal, it, it looked again. You know, I keep saying it looked better, but it's always going to look better if your starting point is like is rubbish, is utter rubbish. You know, it's it's always going to look better. So at that point, I was just kind of you know, I was unmoved. If I'm going to be honest with you, like most of the games I've been this season, I was unmoved. But I was like, this is better than what I've watched. If yeah. that's what I'm saying, you know.
1: You know what? After the first after the first and second goals, I was like, you know what, fine. They sucked me back in. And I hate that they did that. And it's very difficult for me to to switch off from Spurs. I can claim to say I don't care and stuff, but I definitely care. I care a lot. And yeah. after the first after the first goal, I do think that we did start to create some chances. I remember even Kulisevsky n- nicked the ball, a blind pass from um Andy Robertson and he was in on goal. Um and he he hit it straight at um Allison um and then obviously sons offside chance in the first half that that hit the post and then in the second half as well i felt like i felt like um it was good it was refreshing to finally after man united as well um so re- united was refreshing to actually see spurs attacking and attacking with intent and trying to create some opportunities at goal and i feel like romero um showed the good and bad parts of his game. I felt that pass, calm, composed, picks up the ball. I I don't really know why Liverpool weren't putting any pressure on him, but he's allowed to take the ball, like basically just beyond the halfway line. And he plays a really good pass to, to son and son um, slots past Allison again at Anfield. And that is now son's fourth goal in his last five games. Um, this guy really is a streaky player isn't he um and i feel like i feel like sun basically being pushed further up the pitch is a it, the consequence of that is a it's a good consequence sorry if there's such a thing that exists the the outcome of that is sun scoring more goals it's no coincidence that the higher up the pitch he's he's playing the more shots forget even the goals the more shots he's actually having at goal that run that he made um, the outside to in run um, on Konate's side. How many times have we seen that in past seasons? And compared to this season, we've not really seen that enough. And I even think as well, um, even against Man United, Mason put in Sun right wing. Um, I feel like these days, just after two matches, I'm seeing with Ryan Mason, I've barely seen Sun get the ball in our half. Barely. Like I don't see it happen. And that's the way it should be. You need this guy further up the pitch. And, I, and I'll keep saying, I don't care how poor he's played because he has been pants this season. If there's one thing this guy knows, it's the back of the net. You you need to get this guy as far up the pitch as possible. Let him get as many attempts at goal because the, the, the chances are he's going to put at least one of them away. So, yeah, man. Uh, and then I guess let's, let's talk about the third goal. Jack, I think... I want you to talk on this one as well, because I, I ain't going to speak on this one, but you talk on this one. It was, it was the worst goal I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Uh, Bro, hi. Week <laughs> no,
2: do you know what? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those. It just, I don't think... Did he intend for it to bounce down? Yeah. Onto the roof look
1: how sad you see. You, you don't even sound happy that you're... That, you, don't, you don't even I, sound happy... Just, To hear that he scored. I feel like you're sad that he
3: scored. (laughs) Yeah. And rightly so. Rightly so. so. Listen, I can't have the
2: I want I want all the ammunition in the world so that this guy is out of our club. I didn't even want to draw (laughs) yesterday. I wanted us to lose badly, yeah, so that we can shake our fans out of any kind of apathy. So now now we've got some redeeming elements for our fan base to be like, hmm, maybe Mason has something in him. So I wasn't really happy with that, with any of it, to be honest. But yeah, it was a, you know, it was well timed run. He was just on side as well, like by the skin of his teeth. So yeah, it was good, good delivery in, and yeah, he did well to get on the end of it. And boom, uh, got took his shirt off and just to hold another L. So yeah,
1: it is what it is. Tops, I know you're chomping at the bit. Um, you've been asking for this for weeks. You've been asking for this for weeks and been after like after basically a whole season, Richarlison has finally scored his first league goal, man. Talk me, talk to me, talk me through it, man. Talk talk let me know your thoughts. Let me know your thoughts, brother. <laughs>
3: like, honestly, like I have nothing to say on this because to be honest with you, why am I discussing the guy scoring one goal in May? I'm it's basically mate. Like I just don't understand. We can say all we want to say about this guy, all the qualities that he possesses, but frankly, I'm not listening because we signed a player for 60 million to score goals, to play in a role where he could supplement the goals that we, we scored last season with more goals. He hasn't done that this season. Not only has he not, not, only has he not done that, but his performances have been honestly near on atrocious. And it's hilarious because we're talking about a guy who has more yellow cards than actual goals this season like like i can't sit here and be like oh richardson well done on your first goal i'm not going to give you props bro and i'm going to and i'm you know what i'm going to be patient next season next season i'm going to wait and see what he does because he hasn't had game time uh, the world cup he's not played in his position fine that's fine but i can still tell you that his season's been completely cheats like I can still say that and I can be confident in saying that just because he scored one goal agree doesn't change anything in terms of how his season's gone it doesn't it doesn't
2: mid player does meaty things like what's what's the water's wet bro water's wet water is wet, <laughs> wet. you got you've got more patience than me though i'll tell you that because he can he can he can be a you know probably third or fourth on the list to go the season
3: as well Aye, maybe not maybe not that high No, like. man. Like, like i don't know i I just don't feel confident because he's played at such a poor level this season. Like I've watched games of him, I'm just like before. (laughs) Before when I watched this guy, I was like, you know what, the off the ball stuff, yeah, it's moving me. We need someone like this because Kane ain't doing it, Son ain't doing it, Kulisowski's never really been known for it. But then the game against Sheffield United, I saw things that I didn't, I didn't like that day, and ever since then. Ever since then, I've seen performances which have been really abject. Touches really heavy, movements, uh, runs in the wrong areas. Just, just looks like a player who just doesn't knows no know, knows what he's doing. And it's just like, if you want to pay this amount of money for a player, it's like anything. What's my return on investment? Can I get can I can I get five goals and assists? Probably can't get that. Can I get ten goals and one assist? I'm not getting that all right then, maybe no goals and assists. Can I get some good performances? Something that I can look back on social score and say, you know what, all right, he was unlucky. I can't even get that. I can't even get that. So for me, I'm sorry, I, I really wish I could give a positive review on this guy, but everything that he's done until now, you know, it's, it's been so poor that the one goal that he's picked up, you know, it's, it's a goal. Congratulations to him. He's got a league goal for, for Spurs. But then it's just like, okay, like, question to you guys. Do you think, based on the timing of timing of the goal and the way he scored, was that celebration over the top or was it right?
1: I, I think I, it was right. I, I'd
2: I think say it was I, right. Yeah. yeah, I agree with Toby. I think it wasn't. I, I think it was yeah. kind of warranted considering yeah. where we were. So um, you know, as much as I criticize him, that's kind of fair enough.
3: Exactly, and and, and similar similarly, as much as I disliked him this season, I thought. I thought this was the perfect kind of moment to vindicate yourself against a team that you don't like, against a team that you used to play for their rivals and for it to be your first goal. But then it just annoys me that this is what has now transpired because not even not even 30 seconds later we go and lose the match. Everything this guy seems to be involved in this season is just it, it's it almost it feels laughable right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, man. When it when it rains, it pours. Honestly, but uh, listen, I'm 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 happy he scored his his first goal. I'm not obviously happy this season, but I'm happy he scored his first goal. I, I, and like I said to you in the in the touchline chat, I genuinely believe that with consistent game time in a in a in a system that can actually get his strengths highlighted more than his weaknesses, I think this guy will score goals for Spurs. I I genuinely believe that if he is kept. Right. But let's, let's, let's obviously talk about the fourth goal, man. Um We have to talk about the goal. We conceded great finish from Diogo Jota, but my word, man, this Lucas Mora guy, Um, this is the second time in the space of a, like a month he's come on and he's cost Spurs, like he's literally offering Spurs the reverse, the reverse of what a super sub is meant to do. He's a stinky sub. He's literally a stinky sub. He's coming on and he's giving teams, the result, bro, it doesn't even make sense. Um, who wants to talk on this? I, Jack, you can probably speak on this, man, because I think you at this point you have to sort of you, you can't just blame Lucas Moura. You actually have to blame the, the 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 staff, the coaching staff that are allowing this guy to come on the pitch and and, and get minutes, especially in the wake of news that Mundell um, potentially is off to Anderlecht. uh <clears throat> There are players that haven't even had. Haven't even had many starts or many minutes, and yet Lucas Moura, who is leaving the club in like two months' time, who's been injured for a m- the majority of the season, is is getting minutes ahead of you. Like, what type of message does that send?
2: Yeah, I, I wouldn't blame like Mason for that. I think when you when you got to in the kitchen sink, sink it son you got to go all out. But yeah, if it, the issues are before him, and I think that having him at the club for the past few seasons is still ordering, We've kept play. We have this habit of keeping players too long. I think Lamella, prime example, Winks, and we still got a lot of these guys in our team. that are still there. So, yeah, how this, how we've still kept this fascist in our team is still mad to me. I, I, I don't even. Like the one thing I agree with Richarlison on is, as opposed to Lucas Moore is is his political views because that guy. If I speak, man. If I speak. But I will say also the, you know, actually, I was, was going to call out the the entire team for not, you know, dropping back deep enough, but I, I can't even say that. that. That is entirely Lucas.
1: It's on him. It's on him, man. He's that such a bonehead. And did you see the nonsense that um, Genus was was spewing out as well? I'm not sure if oh, you guys were cent- saying sentiment,
2: The sentiment bullshit. Yeah,
1: he was, he was like, oh, um, Spurs fans shouldn't criticise Lucas more or, he gave us our best night in in blah 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 yada yada yada. My guy, that was four years ago. That was four years ago in his only good season at Spurs. Yeah, he's going to be he's going to be remembered. But because you've done that, doesn't mean that you can just play crap for the rest of your time at Spurs and and cost Spurs in the game. And you're you're t- talking to me about Champions League? How is that relevant now? I, I, no
3: I found sense. that comment so stupid and faceless. Like uh, like the the that. The two things mean absolutely nothing in two games where we've asked him to provide us positive re- positive actions. The guy's actually given us completely negative actions, and it's been to the detriment of the team. Why the hell are you bringing up uh, a match that was like four years ago? Like it's so ridiculous, man.
1: I don't know. Man. It's crazy. Whatever. It's crazy. It's crazy. I don't know what genius is on, man. I don't know what genius is on. Like I, I, I I'm actually going to disagree with you, Jack. I, I think you you can give Ryan Mason some stick for that sub. And it's a double-edged sword, right? Because I rate the fact that Ryan Mason he's actively making changes in these games to try and get Spurs um, to be more of an offensive threat. Like he he went to the back four against Man United. Um, Spurs looked potent. Brought on Danjuma, brought on Richarl- no, sorry, brought on Danjuma, brought on Kolesovsky, etc., etc. Um, but I, the reason why it didn't make sense to me is because Pedro Porro actually had a good second half. And he exactly. was a grown presence in the game, and right. you're already playing a back five. That's a natural right wing back. It just doesn't make sense to put Lucas Mora there. It just didn't make any sense to me.
2: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, regardless, I think that that option shouldn't have been there in the first place. It's probably you're right.
1: You're right. They should have terminated this guy's contract, man. They should have terminated yeah. his contract. Obviously, send yeah. send that brother. Send that hard end. Send that hard N word back to back to flipping what, what's it called Sao Paulo or, or Botafogo? Manaus, <laughs> Manaus. Yeah, send him to Manaus, man. You don't even deserve Sao Paulo. Send that. Send it to the jungle. To yeah, man. <laughs> let him. With the Jaguars and stuff, man. It's ridiculous. It's oh, ridiculous. By the way, um,
2: and we got a player that's just become a Serie A champion just now. Um, yeah, I've seen. I've seen.
1: and Ndumbile is officially um, a Serie A champion. The, the Tottenham curse continues, man. What can we say? Eh? What can we say? <laughs> but guys, let's um let's finish up on um some manager chat, man, because obviously the rumor mill is is is, is turned once again this week. Um, the Telegraph, the Dutch, the Dutch newspaper. Obviously, they reported that on slot apparently interviewed for or has been invited to interview for the Spurs job and also that Spurs are now targeting Jabi Alonso as their number one pick. Um but then Dan Kilpatrick also said today that Spurs have now completed their due diligence on their manager search whatever that means. I don't know what that means. So yeah wh- what do you guys what do you guys think Um, of those names that I've mentioned and where do you see this manager, um, this managerial search ending with? I
3: mean, I'm I'm not really sure. Um, Well, I don't know. I'm not really sure because first of all, um, with there being no sporting director, director of football, we're in a situation whereby, you know, the process has been completely left to uh, to Daniel Levy and I think this other new guy, something, is it Richard Munn or something like this? I can't remember his name. Yeah, um, something yeah. So, exactly. at this point, you know, we're, we're just hoping that uh, they're taking enough um, leeway with regards to, well, leeway and patience with regards to this process because, to be honest with you, um, you know, the decisions that have been made in the last sort of two appointments, Just, you know, it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. And uh, we're arguably in what I would say is probably a worse place off in terms of the playing squad, uh, the team playing style. Um, So it has to be something that, you know, I can kind of hear it with this due due diligence sort of um, angle. But I also do feel that, like, um, it's very important to make your moves, I think, uh, quickly and effectively so that you have prior sort of time to plan and prepare. Um, I remember as far back as uh, United getting, um, you know, Ten Hag. Uh, they were in a situation where they didn't know who was going to be in the manager, but they managed to sort that out before the end of the season. And then that allowed then Ten Hag to start positively in the pre-season. Uh, obviously, it's a very interesting one now because you have all these different candidates. You have this compensation issue. Which Bayern you know, are trying to draw out with Nagelsmann if it's happening. You have Arnie Slot, who's you know only been managing for two uh since 2019, um, and is still, you know, heavily involved in their season um this year. And obviously, uh Xabi Alonso, who's like a new-ish manager. I'm still not hundred percent sure about him from a tactical perspective, but he's got them into the last four in the Europa League. They're going up against uh, Roma in this in the semi-finals, and he staved off relegation and got them back into the sort of a midish table, I think. So I mean, I don't think it's like terrible options. I'm not so I'm not so keen on Alonso because I don't think uh, he's managed enough yet, um, and I think he was only before this job, he was only the manager uh, for the Real Sociedad B team, I think. I can remember so uh, I think I don't really I would prefer there to be other managers who were a little bit more experienced you know I'd even go as far as saying someone like Amarim or or uh, or company but then I I just think personally we should be making you know world's move for Nagelsman. I I just don't understand why it like it's such a clear it's such a clear option in terms of Someone who is clearly a coach um like he's a neek. he really is about the details and that's something I think we've really really missed I think uh from a footballing perspective someone who focuses on the nitty gritty the little stuff which can help improve players which I think the last person who was able to do that for, for us as a as a coach was Poch um also the ability to work with young players and also to be someone who plays somewhat progressive, but has some tactical flexibility, which obviously, like we all know, with Jose, with Conte, pretty much was, wasn't was there. So, in my opinion, no. I still think that we should be trying to make things work with that. Um, I, I still need to read a little bit more about, about slots, because sometimes I'm, I'm a bit funny about Dutch coaches and how their football kind of translates to the Premier League. Um, yeah. You know, German did okay. Um, Eric Ten Hag's doing kind of well, which I thought he would. But then you look at people like De Boer and, um, you know, Rude Hullet in the past. Sometimes it's just a bit funny. But for me, like you can give these guys interviews. You can, you can give them the opportunity to, to show what they're about. And, and, you know, in no matter what kind of a mess we're in, we, we you know, I still feel that we'll always be an attractive proposition to um to managers purely because of the nature of the club. We're a London club, you know, uh, we've got money the... money, with, money, with,
1: money. With lots Basically. of
3: blog, with lots of really money. Good players. And yes, the money. I think the money's a massive, massive thing. But like I think it's also important to remember that we need to make the right choice. It has to be the right choice, man, because we are at such a crossroads with the direction of the club and the squad. Lots of lots of big changes need to be made and lots of important changes in important decisions that needs to be made. So I think if we're gonna if we're gonna take this not too lightly and make sure that we take time to to get the right guy, I'm all for it. But I also feel as well that we have to be taking into account the big decisions that have to be made this summer with regards to key players and you know the general um the general running of the squad.
1: Mm you know what though it's 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 a it's an interesting point right because um there are names there and i feel like i feel like we're in a much better position this time round in terms of the options that are available to last time because i feel like last time even though we had a bad season there was a limited pool of managers that spurs could actively go for at that point in time that were keen on the move i think this time round you actually have options. You actually have options, and from, from what it looks like, they're interested. We we saw we heard apparently that um, Amarin would be interested. We've already known, and we know that Spurs are actively in talks to Nagelsmann, who is interested, but wants some assurances. We know that um, that there is interest from other managers as well, right? So, it, it, I feel like there are enough good managers that are being linked to a job for Spurs to not have to go for like a Jabby Alonso, go for like a Michael Carrick, even a Vinton company. Like I appreciate what these guys are doing at their clubs, but they don't really have enough skin in the game yet. Right. Mm-hmm. And I exactly. feel like, I feel like they'll, I feel like they look like they're on a good trajectory, but why not go for someone? Why not go for someone who can actually get, can get Spurs playing, to a good level and can get Spurs and can get Spurs to become a better side with a lot more experience. I feel like we we have the opportunity to bring someone that's actually got the the, the credentials we need. The, 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 those managers are out there without us having to basically do the Arteta project, because I feel like that's what it's been envisioned, right? Um, they look at what happened with Arteta and they want to replicate something similar at Spurs, right? But, for every Arteta, you've got a uh, Frank Lampard. You've got a Steven Gerrard. Genuinely, you, I'm not even trying to take the piss. You do. You you do. You have a Steven Gerrard. You have a Paul Lynch, You have you have some of these managers who make such a big jump up without having that base level of experience at a top-flight league. And it doesn't work. And I'm not necessarily saying that that's, that's how it could end for Vincent Company or Carrick, but I would rather someone who's already been around the block do you get what I'm saying? What's no, the one
2: agree. common? Th- agree. What's the one common thing about those three managers you named? all English. What? English, yeah. all English. Avoid that at all costs, I think, is probably the first yeah. first thing. So get Ryan Mason out of that picture, ASAP. Um yeah. I think I think it's hard because a lot of these managers give give us the illusion that we are trying to go for this Arteta project, and maybe we are. Um, but we need to see what happens in the background as well. What kind of changes need to be made there? I agree with tops about Javi Alonso not having enough experience. Um, but I will say that someone that's played under Pep, someone that's very much a Pep player and mm-hmm. embodies what he the, embodies the philosophy and his ethos. Yeah, I, I'd say that might be a risk. Worth taking, provided you have the right resources and the right players that fit the mold.
3: Yeah, um, I think so. I th- I, th- I think so as well. But I mean, one of the one of the one of my biggest issues with him right now is literally time. I've yeah, not yeah. seen enough of, of him as a manager. Like, I'm probably sure that this sort of player like this, he probably reads the game, knows the game, and has has played under enough quality managers to be able to have learned properly. But I just haven't seen enough. In terms no, of actual management time, you know,
2: I fully hear you, and that's that is the reason why I'd probably say no to that. But at the same time, Nico Waterra hasn't managed the football club at all before True. joining, and he's True. had to True. go True. through a lot of bumps in the road. And no one saw this cup, no one saw the season coming. Like, you'll, you'll no. like, you will be lying if you say you
3: did. No, um, it, you, you're absolutely right. No one saw it coming. I mean, but, to be honest with you, to turn that squad around the way they did, and they had to go through some dark days. They had to yeah, finish yeah. eight and it had to exactly. be horrible before they could turn it around, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. And, I,
2: and, I, and I think there's other managers like you got Nagels when I think that's not going to happen anymore. But then we're all looking at the one positive thing is the managers that we are looking at follow a particular profile or an identity or an approach to the game that last time we didn't have with so Tucho, Nuno, all sorts. Um, Amorim's an interesting one. I don't think he's as progressive as the other managers. He also plays the back three, which I don't think a lot of fans. I think a lot of fans, our fans, are fed up with. To be honest, so that's an interesting one to add to the mix. Arn Slot. He's going to be called Arn Slot every time we lose. So
1: and he's bored as well. And And he's he's bored as well. And the thing is, I I like from what I've seen. I like from the little I've seen. I like Slot, right? I'm seeing his team scoring goals week in, week out, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But I can't oh. have another bald brother at Spurs. I see the jokes they're making on Ten Hag on Ten Hog's head. Top. I'm already <laughs> bored myself. I can't have my manager. It's too much, too much ammunition for, for people to dunk to me. Oh, look at this bald bozo. you bald like his manager and stuff like that. Nah, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Because nah.
3: that, I need it. Inject it. Because of that. I
2: need that. <laughs> <laughs> Every loss has a silver lining.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> right, no, genuinely, you're right, though. I, I actually like, from what I've read, I like Amarin, though. Like, using him as an example, I like I like Amarin. I feel like he, um, his teams, even though he's not as aggressively front-footed as some of the names that we've seen, right, his teams still play good football, even though there is there is some pragmatism to it, Right. Um, his team still play out from the back, and they're organised. Right, they suck teams in, but like you said, it's a case of whether the fan base are willing to accept another man who predominantly plays a free at the back. We don't know. We don't know. But as far as what he's achieved in Portugal's is concerned, he's doing fantastic things at Sporting Man. He's it's done not, big. It's not overly.
2: Football. It's not overly far off Conte's football. You know, it actually isn't overly. Conte is best. I'll say not. Not. Not this season.
3: Hey man, I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I need to see that man because all I need to know is that if he was potentially an option, I mean, if he can get any tune out of Poro from a defensive perspective, that will be enough for me, man.
2: I think he needed a yeah. good defensive system behind Poro, You know, someone in midfield that can cover a right centre back that um, is positionally adept as well. That can allow Poro to go forward and be protective But you know you don't have that, then Cora's going to be
1: exposed as we've seen. No, you're right, you're right. But let, we'll have to wait and see how this how this pans out. Um, hopefully, we end up with a good manager because I'm liking some of the names I'm hearing. Um, some of the other names I'm hearing, I'm not really liking too much though. So let's see. I'm praying to God this snuggles, Um, But let's see, let's see. Um, guys, uh, we're going to... Uh, obviously, we've got Crystal Palace this upcoming weekend. Um, Not really going to take up too much time on this because I I don't know about you luck, but my care for this season isn't as strong as it was before. Just win, honestly. Just win. Um, Win, but try not to get into the Conference League spots. if you can't get Europa League. Win and try and get Europa League football. Try and get Europa League football. If it's not Europa League football, drop me out of it. Finish eight, finish nine, finish 10th all. I couldn't care less. But I'm going to ask you two for your predictions. What are you guys going for for Crystal Palace at home on Saturday?
2: Shit performance, 2-1.
1: Uh,
3: Horrible performance. Palace don't normally play well at ours, but I'm going to say 2-2 draw. We're definitely conceding. 100% conceding.
1: I'm going for... Um, I'm gonna go for a three-one win. I feel like the goals are back in the side, and Palace's record at our ground is pretty poor. I know they've got a resurgence under Roy Hodgson, but I don't know. I feel like I feel like we've got some we've got some goals in us. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go for a three-one win. I'm gonna go for a three-one for. But thank you for those who are still watching. Um, thanks, Papa Blanksen, for your comments. Thanks, Mohammed, um, for your comments as well. Thanks, James Watkins, for your comments. Um, thank you guys for tuning in um, this has been the New Spurs order pod make sure you check us out on all socials um, yeah New Spurs order one word on Instagram and Twitter Touchdown frackers on one word on Instagram and Twitter but yeah we are out take care peace out and Enoch out
0: Clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwine has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh, yay! Sports Social Podcast Network.